Thank you for listening to the Prairie Oaks Pulpit Podcast. This is a ministry of our little church in Prairie Grove, Arkansas. We pray that it is a blessing to you in your spiritual growth. These are recorded from the Sunday morning sermons. God bless. God keep you. But Luke chapter 8. And we're going to read the first 15 verses. And then uh, we'll kind of walk our way through it. Um, But... If you found it, would you stand out of respect for God's word? Luke chapter 8. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others who provided for him from their substance from their substance and when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city he spoke by a parable a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it some fell on rock and as soon as it sprang up it withered away because it lacked moisture And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart keep it and bear it and bear fruit with patience. Let's pause for prayer. Father, just thankful you've given us this time together. I thank you for each one that's come. And I just pray, Lord, that you just teach us from your word, that your spirit would move freely in this place to to apply the word to our lives, that we would be responsive soils in our heart. Lord, that this parable is, is being lived out even in this room, O Lord that we would be fertile soil, that we would take in your word, that we would ponder on it, live it out, and bear fruit that of repentance and faith and changed lives, O oh Lord that reflect you and your goodness and grace and character. 
Pray, Lord, that you work in the children's chapel and thankful for your servants who make that possible. But in all things that you would be honored and glorified, in the name of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd and the good sower, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus uses stories for the sake of the story. The, the story of, of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom that he's proclaiming. And it was good news because the king had come. And there would be all these different responses to that news. And some would embrace it and others would be suspicious. Others would be uh, excited at first and then wander off. And so as a crowd gathers, Jesus uses these little stories to teach the big story of what the kingdom is all about. And I think for some of us, it's, it's, well, sometimes we get lost amongst all the details and trying to make sense of it all, and we miss the point. And then other times, it's, uh, it's just easy to see it as a little story and, and not take it as seriously as, as we should. And then some, we read it, and then we read it again, and you find out that, you know, I've been reading this story for 30-some years, and I'm still learning. There's a lot to be learned. And so, uh, in that, we show what he's talking about, right? So, it's popularly known as the parable of the sower, But I think you can tell that it's really more about seeds and soil than it is about the sower. Because the sower, he goes out and he's just like you would when you're spreading grass seed in your yard. You don't go out and drill it in or anything like that. In most cases, you might be just throwing some seed out. Not too concerned about uniformity or rows or anything like that. And that's how they sowed their wheat fields and barley fields and things like that. Um. And so I brought some corn today, but corn isn't something that he would have been sowing because why? It was still in America waiting to be found. So, um, but you get the idea. They would be out there and they just scattered it. And, as, and, and what's interesting in the, in the parable is that he's not worried about being stingy with the seed. He's just everywhere with it. It's like they gave it to a 12-year-old or something and said, scatter it. Okay. Everywhere. And so there's no, that's kind of different than farming today. We're pretty stingy with our seeds. You know, we want to make sure we get them in the rows and everything. And, and even then, if you're like me, you're still wasting it because it's not going to produce anything for some reason. But um, I'm, I'm not a good gardener, but I'll, I'll keep trying. Uh, I've got some good teachers, let's put it that way. So, He's throwing the seed out, and some, you know, it grows, some doesn't, some does really well, some just doesn't quite produce. And at the end of the story, the disciples are like, I don't get it. What am I supposed to do with these stories, Jesus? They knew some teachers used parables, but they were, they were just needing some further instruction. 
And they were kind of curious why he was using stories. And that's almost a little bit of a puzzle in and of itself in that he says, well, to you, it's given to know the mysteries, the secrets. But to those who aren't going to receive the kingdom, the doors are already shut on their hearts anyways, and there's no need. So it's just an amusing story to them. And that's as far as it will go. But since I want you disciples to know what's going on, I'm going to, Jesus says, I'm going to teach you this one and it'll be a key that you can figure out the other stories. And if, and if you go through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see where, like Matthew, he puts it in the context of a bunch of other stories so that once you have the key, then all right, now try that key in these other stories and see if you can figure out what's going on in them. How, how do you understand what these parables are about? And then Mark, it's like he just picked the ones that had to do with seeds so that you could see where Jesus uses the seed in different ways in different stories. You remember the parable of the mustard seed, the little tiny little seed, but it produces a big bush. And so he compared the kingdom to the seed. And then other times the seed is just the word of God. And that's what we get from this is in this one, the seed represents the word of God. And now it makes sense why we don't have to be stingy with the seed, do we? Because we don't have to be stingy with the word of God. It is a boundless supply. It is, it doesn't cost us anything to, to share the truth. And so give, give generously. Even in the places where you don't think it's going to ever produce anything, share the truth. Share love. Share who God is. Share what right living is. But just keep going. Because we, we don't know. We're just called to be following in the footsteps of the sower, sowing seeds, sowing the word of God. Now, the, uh, the interesting thing in how they farmed and how we do is I know that right now, Cletus and Jody and some of them, they've been out already tilling and getting the soil worked up and getting their gardens ready. And then they'll plant the seeds. There, they planted the seeds and then they tilled it and worked it up. And then maybe they planted more seeds. I don't know. So they're just going at it. But that's kind of the spiritual principle going on, isn't it? Is that you got to work the soil. Sometimes you got to loosen it up so that you're getting somewhere. But we just keep sowing the seeds because, again, the Father has given us an endless supply of the truth. Endless supply here. We just need to have it. And I don't think it's just talking about in print, but in our minds and in our hearts, right? right? So that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so... He uses this story and says, this seed is the word of God. Now, the seeds that fell on what my translation calls the wayside or the path or something like that, but it's the beaten down parts where it, that you've seen it. The seed hits the ground and it bounces. It wasn't going anywhere. And it just sits there on top. And if it doesn't get worked in one way or the other, then it's just bird food. And it's not the bird's fault that it eats the seed. It's the soil's because the soil didn't receive. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the word of God. 
but it's, are we being receptive? Well, then there's the, the ones that there's a little bit of soil, but there's a rock underneath, right? And some of you can identify with that because that's where your house is. That's where your yard is. You know, when, when it gets summer, everything dies off because there's not enough soil to survive anything. It's just scrub brush and, and things like that. Well, as you can guess, those aren't the greatest places for, for planting a garden. And in the same way, we still throw the seeds out there. But some people, they're going to be real excited. Uh, ooh, this is neat. Oh, this is great. But then Jesus says there's going to be times it's going to be scorching hard. Our lives are going to be challenging. Are they going to continue on in what they were excited about in, in God and in Christ? Or will they walk away? That's the ones, that's the seeds that came up there. It looked like it was going to prosper and do well, but there's no root and it just withers with the heat. And so Jesus says that seed doesn't produce fruit. Then there's the ones they get kind of off in the margins and they'll produce a plant right there amongst all the briars and brambles and things. And he compares the briars and brambles to what? Yeah, the things of this world, the worries, the cares, the, the pleasures, all those things that people chase. And here's the thing. There's nothing inherently wrong with those things. The problem is when they become more important than God. When the distractions replace him. Well, that's just starting to get convicting now because there's a lot of distractions. <coughs> and again, they're not necessarily bad things. They could be good things. God says, if you don't make a priority of me, then you'll never make room. You'll never have room for him. And it'll just gradually get marginalized with the, the distractions that is out there. And I think that one, that one bothers me the most. <coughs> but he says, the ones that fell among the thorns, they heard, they go out, and then choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life, they bring no fruit to maturity either. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it, bear fruit with patience. And so... I'll admit, this is where I went down a rabbit hole and I spent way longer on the rabbit hole than I did on the rest of it. Because I was like, so what is Jesus saying here with a noble and good heart? Well, guess what? It got more confusing but, and I still haven't got it sorted out. But what it says literally in the Greek, and if you were to take those words and see where else they're used, Jesus says, the ones that heard with a good and good heart. We have the largest vocabulary of any language in the world, and the best we can do with these words is good and good. Oh, I was so frustrated. So then I just started working on it. And, uh, and I, I'll tell you where I'm still confused, but I'll, what, what I realized, though, is, is I think what we're getting at is, is on the one hand, Jesus is talking about those that are, 
the opposite of evil, harmful. Because one of those words, that's how it usually gets paired up, is being the opposite of harmful. And, and so that's being beneficial, right? And then there's the ones that, the other opposite of good is the one that's the opposite of wicked, right? And as, as, the, as I think about it, this is where I'm starting to pull from the bigger parts of the story of the kingdom. The reality is, is that's not my heart. Without Christ, I don't have a good and good heart. I need God to do a work in my heart to be receptive to that. To get the ground ready. So all that goes back to the whole farming metaphor, right? That we need to ask God to cultivate our hearts. Amen. And that, is, that involves even probably him working in me to even want my heart cultivated. Amen. But for God to, to pull out the thorns. Oh, sometimes that hurts. I don't know about you, but I've pulled on blackberry bushes sometimes. And not only do I have to wear gloves when I do it, but they got some deep roots. And some of those, those, those thistles, I mean, I just break them off because I can't seem to, I have to dig them out. There's things in my life that it's painful to, for God when he starts, and painful to me when he starts working those things out. Or those rocks. I remember as a kid, mom's garden, there was a lot of rocks. Every spring after we tilled, I was picking up rocks, picking up rocks, picking up rocks. It was just they kept producing. Yeah? yeah someone, someone else grew up in the Ozarks too? I get that. Um, and so, <laughs> poor Jack, that was your job too? Amen, brother. But here's the thing, is that if you didn't pick them up, they just multiplied. Because they were multiplying anyways. And that's kind of how my heart is with sin. I would like to think that I'm going to run out of sin, right? But no, it just seems to keep coming. And I need to keep repenting, asking God to forgive and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So that that pride or that whatever selfishness or those things would get worked out. Because they're going to keep coming to the surface. And the farmer says, it's got to go. And so that, that working of the soil. And the cool thing is, is there's a way in which God does that in our time with him, right? As I'm in the word, as I respond to the word, as, as whether it's in the preaching or in my personal time with him or in a small group or whatever, it's like, oh, yeah, so he says, uh, don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so maybe this isn't something that you struggle with or, or whatever, but it's just one of our examples. Okay, well, then I need to no longer be under the, uh, controlled by those influences in order to be more controlled by the Holy Spirit. Or maybe it's put away lying lips and speak the truth instead. Oh. Okay, well then, you know, maybe I'm not just lying under oath, but I still have a hard time just saying the hard things. Well then, God, you're going to have to do that in me too. Give me wisdom. Give me, give me courage. Give me what I need there. 
These are just different little ways in which God is saying to us, this needs to be done. And so part of that is just between me and him. But you know, another way God does it is through you, through the one another's. Because I can fool myself. I'm doing pretty good. And then he brings someone into my life that drives me bonkers. And it's like, oh, okay. So then that's a part of God using them to to make me more like Christ. Um, Whatever those things are. Just you, you now get the picture, right? That's a part of, of working the soil. Jesus uses the agricultural uh, illustration a little different when you get to John chapter 15. Remember, he's talking about the grapevine and God's the gardener. He's out there pruning off the dead stuff, the stuff that won't produce the right kind of fruit, won't produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. So he's like snipping those things off. That hurts, doesn't it? Feels like we're bleeding sometimes to get those things. But it is to produce more of what is good, what he created us to be. That's the amazing part is that if we truly believe that Jesus is God in the flesh and that he lived the sinless life, his kind of life is what we were created to be. He's living that for us. So that's the the substitution part, but it's also the example part that I'm to walk in those same steps, to love my enemy and to... uh, control my desires and to uh, walk in wisdom with my emotions and all these things, like the Sermon on the Mount. You, know, you read the Sermon on the Mount and it's like, well, that looks impossible. But then I look at Jesus and it's like, okay, well, he, it wasn't impossible for him. It's what he's wanting to produce in us. And so all of that to say, Where are we in this as soil? Because Jesus is really getting at in the long haul. What are you like as a soil? Are you producing fruit? Are you headed in the direction of producing fruit? Because here's, let me go back to the passage because I want to, I need to reread verse 15. The ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a good and good heart, they keep it. So they received it, and then they keep it. They hold on to it. One of my favorite things that Luke says about Mary, the mother of Jesus, is that she did what? She pondered on these things in her heart. She just kept thinking on them. Some of us are like, ooh, meditation? That sounds weird. Pondering on these things. She just kept thinking on them. But then keep also has implied in it obedience. We start doing. 
and that we bear fruit with patience, with endurance. Because summer's coming, no matter what. There will be droughts. There will be uh, hard frosts. And spiritually speaking, there's going to be times that it's going to feel like we're walking through the wilderness and that we're withering and the storm will come and batter us with, with doubts and discouragement. And we will go through times where we just want to give up. Is it worth it? And he says, I want to keep seeing fruit. Keep bearing with endurance. And and so I want to give just a couple illustrations of that here. And one of them is the verses I started with. You noticed I read the first three verses. And they, uh, they tell us something that no... Luke tells us something here that no one else tells us. And that is that we know the 12, we're used to them, even if you can't name them. But verse 2 and 3 tell us about just three, give us the name of three women that they followed Jesus. Mary Magdalene, which the rumors about her may or may not be true. All we know is that she had seven demons. We don't know what they, uh, their effect was on her, but Jesus cast them out and she becomes a faithful follower of Jesus. Joanna, she came from a very upper class uh, family, a very upper class role. She stayed faithful with Jesus. Susanna, all we know is her name. But that she, with others, provided for him from their substance. They were financing this thing. They were but also, not only did they have some skin in the game, they were the ones who produced fruit. They just kept following. And the reason I mention their names is, who was the first person to witness the resurrected Jesus? Mary Magdalene. You realize what that means. She watched him get crucified, and she stayed faithful. She watched him get buried, and she still loved him. And stayed faithful. And when everyone else was hiding, she saw Jesus. And Jesus says, go and tell the others. She's the witness. Joanna, we're told, is one of those who did the same. She was one of those ladies that was with Mary Magdalene. With other women, like Salome and... uh, uh, Two other women named Mary, because that was a very popular name back then. Um, But here we are. They were people that, through endurance, they stayed faithful. And we know they stayed faithful even beyond that point, because why? They get named here by a guy that wasn't there. Luke isn't an eyewitness of this letter. He talked to the eyewitnesses. And he just told us who some of his eyewitnesses were. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. Eyewitnesses of the miracles and the teachings of Jesus. They stayed faithful with endurance. You look at 
the story that follows this one. The disciples, they're in a boat. The boat is sinking. And Jesus is asleep. Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die. The whole Messiah mission's about to go under. And he gets up and says, wind, quit that. Yeah, just about like that, right? You know, he just rebukes it. Quit that. And it just, calm. And says, where's your faith? Did you not know who I was? Did you forget? Wow. I think I forget sometimes. Who can this be? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Shouldn't we? Uh, Shouldn't we obey? And then the next story. There's this guy. You wouldn't think the word of God would have any impact on his life. You think, what was it that Mary had? Seven? Uh, Seven demons? This guy, seven would be a small number. The, the number that the demons used was in the thousands. Well, legion, at least 600. Who knows what craziness his life exemplified. But what we're told is a lot. And again, with a word, get out of him. And they fled. They fled. And the man is so dramatically changed. I mean, just the switch was pulled. It went from darkness to light. And, you know, I think Luke puts these two stories together for a reason in that he says, Jesus, I just want to be with you all the time. And right next to him is all the community that just benefited from him being changed. And they're like, we don't want you even around us. You are too scary. If you can change lives like this, what would you do if you were angry? You know, they didn't know him. They just knew his power. And so Jesus tells the guy, it's interesting because he, the guy wants to just keep staying with Jesus. And he's like, no. Go on back home and tell them what God has done for you. They need to be told. Go and tell. Do you think there's a pattern in that? Go and tell. That's right. He's the evangelist to the Decapolis. And he goes and tells. And we find out in Acts that, well, there's a whole bunch of people there that believe in the Decapolis. Well, I think it's probably from this guy telling his stories. You won't believe what Jesus did, but he did it. But it's sad that the villagers, they were the hard soil. No. It messed up our pig farming. It messed up our our routine. The cares of this world, and they turned away from the most important thing. And if you get to Luke chapter 9, then Jesus really gets to meddling about taking up a cross and following him daily. 
looking back, not fit for the kingdom of God. And so there's a lot to being good soil when the word of God hits. And so I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you what the next step is spiritually for you, but we're going to have a song of invitation. And it's an opportunity to respond as the Holy Spirit is applying this to you. And so it may be salvation. I don't know hearts. Because Jesus did say something about that. He said that they have to receive that word so they can believe and be saved. And there's others. Maybe he's working on a rock that you've built your house upon that is not steady. It is not him. And he's uprooted and out of the way. It may be thorns and thistles that need pulled out. That the desire for other things needs to be uprooted and cast aside. But whatever it is the Holy Spirit is prompting this morning, will you stand and will you respond?